Strava Craft Coffee is rich CBD infused coffee that you can purchase in K-Cups for your Keurig, whole bean, or ground. You can purchase online for 20% off when you use code DNVR20 and tag us and Strava when you get your purchase. Let them know that the community is supporting them and us during these times. If you've never tried it before, Strava Craft Coffee is CBD enhanced. If you don't know what that is, it's non psychoactive but very effective at combating things like anxiety migraines, shakiness, having all of the things that generally come with drinking normal coffee, like a caffeine crash. You don't get those. Certainly, I don't get those with Strava Craft Coffee. So you order online right now. You save 20% off of that purchase with code DNVR20. Give it a try. It just might change your life. And go in the air, deep right center go. field. Drives this high in the air, deep left field. Take a good look, you won't see it for long. I don't want to lose your love Welcome into the DNVR Rockies podcast presented by Strava Craft Coffee. Remember to use that promo code DNVR20 to save 20% off your entire purchase. I am your host, Drew Creaseman. I'm the managing editor of DNVR Rockies. And on this episode, I went on a little bit of a rant. I wasn't sure how long it was going to take. I wasn't sure if it was going to be a podcast or just a bonus video. I've decided to go ahead and share it with you in its entirety, totally uncut, my conversation unfiltered yesterday about major league owners and the latest in the negotiations between them and the players, which means ahead of time, I have got to remind everyone to take care of some business, get yourself some Breckenridge brews. You can have them ordered from Davidson or you, or you can swing by the farmhouse and if you do that, Use code DNVR because you'll save five bucks off both the meal and the beer. Call 303-803-1380 from 12 to 8 p.m. and make your order down there at the farmhouse. Also, make sure to download WGT. We just had our first major on Sunday. It was an absolute blast. I was terrible in it, but still, uh, WGT Golf is absolutely a blast to play. Uh, it's loved by over 20 million people in the world. You can download it from dnvrgolf.com. You play closest to the hole or full stroke play on world-famous golf, golf courses, including Bevel Peach, Beth Page, Black St. Andrews, and more. And you can compete head-to-head with the DNVR community members or with many of us on staff. So make sure to download that at DNVR Golf today. And one last one for you here, the Colorado Raptors. You know them, you love them. Hopefully you've been watching along on our chats and our watches and everything we've been doing with Colton Strickler over there. As soon as you're done listening to this podcast, check out the DMVR Raptors podcast. Watch the, the, I think we got a little pause on the watches, but check out those podcasts and follow DNVR Raptors 
on Twitter. Without further ado, my thoughts on the kerfuffle in MLB. But I am on a very surface level but, and, and on a very deep level very angry at Major League Baseball right now. And there are a lot more important things going on in the world. And, you know, I, I'm very tired. I, I really enjoyed our draft coverage, uh, doing that, putting all of the work that we did into that and devoting a great deal of time to what I considered to be a, a celebration of the game of baseball. And I feel like we should be talking more about these things or allowing ourselves to gather our breath to talk more next week about them or to, should be talking about you know, spring training coming back or whatever it may be. And instead, it's another cheating scandal. It's more talk from the players and the owners that just pulls at people and has a lot of people thinking again, may not even have baseball this year. And actually, it's, it's got me going the other way, but I, like, I think there will be baseball. I think the end game here is that the owners have basically already decided what was going to happen. They have the power now to just do whatever they want because the players have decided to stop negotiating. And that's why, you know, like I'd normally be hanging out and playing video games today, taking a deep breath, getting back at the thing tomorrow. But I had to come out and, and talk to y'all because... This is infuriating. This is bad on a number of levels for everybody involved. Let, let me begin here. Let, let, me, let me read the statements. And this, I hope this isn't super boring, but I do want to read the full statements uh, from both parties here because I think it's important to keep in context even the arguments that you know, those involved are making. And I do kind of want to go line by line here. So I apologize if this is monotonous, but I think it's worth our time to take a close look at these statements because both of them are incredibly telling. We'll begin with the most recent statement from the MLBPA Executive Director, Tony Clark. He says in full, players want to play. It's who we are and what we do. Since March, the association has made it clear that our number one focus is playing the fullest season possible, as soon as possible, as safely as possible. Players agreed to billions in monetary concessions as a mean to that end, and in the face of repeated media leaks and misdirection, we have made additional proposals to inject new revenues into the industry, proposals that would benefit the owners, players, broadcast partners, and fans alike. It's now become apparent that these efforts have fallen upon deaf ears. In recent days, owners have decried the supposed unprofitability of owning a baseball team, and the commissioner has repeatedly threatened to schedule a dramatically shortened season unless players agree to hundreds of millions in further concessions. 
Our response has been consistent that such concessions are unwarranted, would be fundamentally unfair to players, and that our sport deserves the fullest 2020 season possible. These remain our position today, particularly in light of new reports regarding MLB's national television rights. Brief addendum, in case you're not sure what he's talking about there. The giant billion-dollar deal that was just struck up uh, between baseball and I believe it was Turner Broadcasting. So, this is information, by the way, he goes on to say that the MLB PA requested from the league weeks ago, but were never provided. As a result, it unfortunately appears that further dialogue with the league would be futile. It's time to get back to work. Tell us when and where. Let's break down the end of that statement first, um, particularly that point about the TV deal and the fact that the MLBPA had asked for this information weeks ago but couldn't get confirmation of it until it was reported in the press recently while MLB owners are crying poor. They sign a billion dollar deal while and I, I did the whole podcast before that was about how the owners demand you trust them implicitly on faith because they are not providing any evidence, any concrete, specific evidence of how much money they're losing. They're expecting you to do the logic that assumes they're probably losing money because they won't have ticket sales and taking an extraordinary advantage from that. Somebody said to me the other day on Twitter, hey, look, man, you can frame it however you want. It's about money for both sides. I said, and I actually got this person to concede, which shocked me, but I, said, I responded, that's like saying it's about money for both the citizens and the sheriff of Nottingham. Right? Like, that's true, but it's only because one side is abusing the power and leverage that they have to squeeze out people who are already being squeezed out. So yeah, in a way, I guess you can say it's about money for both sides, but let's not confuse that with, you know, and, and I'm going to get to the owner's statement here in a minute, but I've seen a lot of writers that I have a great deal of, of respect for and, and will continue to through all of this, but in the last couple of days, taking a very both sides approach, writing things like, well, you know, but what's the MLBPA trying to get out of this? The MLBPA's position, based on this statement, everything that's been said publicly by Tony Clark and the players who were actually, you know, leaders in the MLBPA, not Blake Snell, who fired off at the mouth because some guys say stupid stuff. We're talking about Max Scherzer, Tony Clark, the people actually involved. Their position is this. MLB owners should not be allowed to use a global pandemic as an excuse to increase their profits in the middle of two consecutive decades of record profits and increase their leverage over people who, because of a global pandemic, have no 
leverage, except for one thing, to not play. But even that costs them, because if they don't play, they don't get paid. And so this is what's going to happen. This commissioner is going to just decide. They're going to tell them how many games to play and how much money they'll get. And that will be the end of it. Except that it won't. I felt like our friend Mark Knudsen made a really good point the other day about how this really is separate from the next CBA negotiations because this is specific to a unique situation. How can baseball come back after being interrupted because of a global pandemic? And how can they operate with no fans in the stands? And all of these things that are specifically because of this weird moment in time, right? And the new CBA is about things that have been brewing for the last decade. Young players don't make too much. Veteran players do, except for now they're starting to not, but that sort of equates to a certain amount of collusion of like, we're deciding not to pay people how we've paid them before. That's what the next CBA is about. Those have been two separate issues. Now, the thing that links them is animosity between players and owners. And I've, I've been talking a lot about that, and there's plenty of just general animosity between players and owners. But this now, today, these last two statements link the two things intrinsically because this is the only way out. Let's go back to the final sentence. Tell us when and where. The players have essentially said this. You are holding us and the game of baseball and baseball fans hostage. You're basically saying Unless we get it entirely our way from the beginning and only get to pay these guys as much as we feel like it, some kind of profit sharing because profits will be down this year. By the way, when profits are up, do they spend all of that extra money on their players? They do not. They spend it on yachts and they go to the, I don't know where people on yachts go. I was going to say it, the Hamptons, but I don't, I don't think you go to the Hamptons on a yacht. I don't know these things because I'm not a billionaire. Anyway, this is the issue, right? It's, you have to do exactly what we say for exactly as much as we say, exactly when we say, and if you don't, you're going to look like the bad guys and we're going to leak it to the media. And eventually people are going to get so sick and tired of it that they both sides it. And that's why I'm live today because, because of the both sides and nonsense. And, and I get fans are frustrated and tired of it. And journalists are frustrated and tired of it. And they want to say, would you guys, would you, would you get knuckleheads just get in a room and figure it out? That is the wrong way to cover what is negotiatingly speaking. The proverbial, I, I wish there were better analogies that weren't quite so violent. I hate these analogies like gun to your head or hostage situation. I understand it's not those things. And when there's so much real in the world right now, it, it, it feels utterly disgusting to, to use terms like that. But f just from a negotiation standpoint, that's where we are. Maybe the sheriff of Nottingham was, let's stick with Robin Hood. Like that's what's going on here. They're using the power and leverage that they have and taking advantage of this unique time do it.
and it's really bad. So what the players have done here, in my, my proverbial analogy, right, is said, okay, we surrender. We give in to your demands. You, you, you have all the power. You have all of the leverage. We want to play baseball. So fine. Pay us nothing. Treat us like garbage. We'll go out there and play. We'll play how you want. We'll play a 48-game joke of a season. And it won't be that. It'll be 58 or 62. And, and it'll still, you know, it'll be a ridiculous season. And they'll go out and play. And they'll do their best. And people will get hurt. And people will get sick during this time. They will sacrifice that to play under exactly the circumstances that the owners have wanted from the very beginning. The circumstances that first and foremost protect their own bottom line before the integrity of the game, the health of their players, the integrity of the future of the game. So here's what the players have done. Fine, have it your way. We won't be held responsible for there being no baseball. So the final sentence from Tony Clark here, chef's kiss, beautiful. Tell us when and where. We will show up and we will play baseball under your terms. You win for now. Because next time, and there will be a next time, Now it's real animosity, not just about, because now the two things are the same. Now the next CBA isn't just about, we've got to get all of this contract stuff ironed out. It's about a fundamental leverage and respect that the owners are clearly willing to abuse when given an opportunity to do so. And now it really, really will be an issue. And it's going to feel for a minute like, okay, great. The, the player said, fine, tell us when to play. And, and we can get to the owner's statement. Mm, I'm gonna, whoo, am I fired up yet? I'm going to have to read this. I'm going to try to read all the way through it without editorializing too much on the first go through here. Um, I'm going to try because because it's for the integrity of the thing. I'm going to read it, but that means I'm going to have to go back through. Okay. Let's see how I do. We are disappointed that the MLBPA has chosen not to negotiate in good faith over resumption of play after MLB has made three successive proposals that would provide players, clubs, and our fans with an amicable resolution to a very difficult situation caused by the COVID-19 pandemic. I made it all the way through sentence one. There were like four things that needed to be corrected in there, but I'm, I'm going to continue before doing that. The MLBPA understands that the agreement reached on March 26th was premised on the party's mutual understanding that the players would be paid for their full salaries only if play resumed in front of fans and that another negotiation was to take place if clubs could not generate the billions of dollars of ticket revenue required to pay players. 
the, the people watching this on a live are getting a, di a slightly different experience than those just listening to the audio later on. Uh, the MLBPA's position that players are entitled to virtually all the revenue from... <sighs> to virtually all the revenue from a 2020 season played without fans is not fair to the... I can't get through this part. Not fair to the thousands of other baseball employees that the clubs and our office are supporting financially during this very difficult time. Uh, season, excuse me. We will evaluate the union's refusal to adhere to the terms of the March agreement and after consulting with ownership, determine the best course to bring baseball back to our fans. <clears throat> What? Okay, I'm gonna. I'm not gonna fully characterize. I'm not gonna go fall. Let Let me go back to my more measured days and go line by line. I'm. I'm gonna try. I'm, maybe I'm just too tired to do the rant. I don't know. Y'all, let me know if you want me to go full rant. But here's what I'm gonna do. Here's what everything that's wrong with this. We're going back through the entire statement, line by line. Disappointed the MLBPA has chosen not to negotiate in good faith. First of all, excuse me, they've been negotiating this entire time. There have been several back and forth conversations that have been negotiated entirely in good faith on the player's part and not on the owner's part. The very first time the player said anything about, you know what, we're done with this negotiation crap was yesterday. After MLB has made three successive proposals that would provide players, that's not even what the word successive means. you got to have different proposals. You, you all have seen the memes. We want to pay you 20 bucks. No. How about a couple of tens? No. How about five? You know, it's, for, it, they've been the same proposal every time. And it's going to be what we end up with. It's going to be exactly what we end up with. A percentage of prorated salaries, salaries that have already been cut. So three successive proposals that would provide players, clubs, and our fans with an amicable resolution, according to you and literally no one else. No one, in, in all of the both-sidesness I've seen from some reporters out there, I haven't seen anyone say, oh yeah, no, what the owners have put out should be perfectly amicable to the players. They should just agree that on top of the 50% cut and the proration, they should take another 70% cut on top of that. I, they should just agree to all of that and get nothing of what they want, including the number of games. Shouldn't get that either. Like, that's not amicable, saying do it our way. We've, we've suggested several times that everyone just do it our way and agree, but they can't seem to get on board. Amicable. Goodness gracious. Uh, very difficult situation caused by COVID. True. The MLBPA uh, understands that the agreement. Now, th this part, look, I don't, I I'd have to read the full legalities on this, but even if, if this is true and, and legalese, it's nonsense and real people talk. Nobody believed that MLB was just going to be able to come back this summer immediately and fully pack stadiums full of people. Anyone who thought that was ever potentially on board 
watches zero news of any kind. I don't, I don't know how they can say this with a straight face, how they can write this was premised on the party's mutual understanding that the players would be paid their full salaries only if play resumed in front of fans. That was never on the table. Never on the table. And that another negotiation was to take place if clubs could not generate the billions of dollars in ticket revenue required to pay players poppycock. Now, I have, I have said on this podcast before that it is true that owners don't have all the cash on hand that is their net worth. Because if they did, then they could afford to play all the players and all of the... We'll get to the other employees thing in a second. If they had just their net worth was just sort of liquidated or whatever, sure. I understand that's not the case, right? But I also understand you can sell stuff. Do you need seven houses? Can you... Sell off a little bit of stock. Can you move a couple of things around here? The idea, and again, there's even the talk about get it to us eventually. That And that gets past the whole, the players have agreed to that. That takes that whole argument out. This idea that because they just don't have the ticket money right now, that they don't have the ability to pay the players. Sorry, guys, we just don't. That's a lie. That is a lie. They have the money, and if they don't right now, they can free it up over the next year or two, and the players were more than happy to accept their rightful dollars over that time. And still, the owners said no. We're not going to pay you that full amount because we're not getting those ticket sales. Two decades of record-breaking profits. Year over year over year, each one of these franchises becomes more valuable enough that it makes up for whatever they're losing in profits this year. And let's understand this. MLB is not losing money. They're losing profits. They're making less money than they were before, but are still making money. And a group of 30 billionaires can figure out how to pay their employees over the next couple of years, given this light section of time. Them tying ticket sales from right this moment into all of them all the money they're ever going to have is ridiculous it's a purposeful lie it feels intrinsically true like oh yeah if they don't have those tickets they don't have that money they have enough money to pay their players they have less money than they did before they have enough money to pay their players and their employees and this next part honestly makes me sick and I don't know, like, maybe I'm reading too much into this. You saw when I was reading through it, how upset I got. And look, somebody tell me if I'm reading this wrong. Please, please do. Tell me that I have misinterpreted this. Fan, it's not fair to the thousands. Oh, my God. The MLB PA's position that players are entitled to virtually all of the revenue from a 2020 season played. No. They've already agreed to take a heavily discounted amount of money. They're not taking all of the revenue. That's absurd. And revenue is not the only money that the owners have. This part makes me so mad. In a season played without fans, it is not fair to the thousands of other baseball employees 
that the clubs and our office are supporting financially this very difficult 2020 season. Are you now? Couple things. One, your ability to pay couple of line cooks and security guards making $20,000 a year. Barely getting by because you also get some benefits, a little bit of health insurance, is in zero way related to your ticket sale revenue. If you have 10 houses, multiple franchises, and a net worth of billions of dollars. How dare you suggest that players standing up for their basic right to not be just bullied into complete submission during a global pandemic is somehow responsible for your refusal to pay people who are barely making anything Is this a threat to not pay security guards and ushers and concession workers and people who, by the way, a lot of things already aren't paying? The notion that Major League Baseball and the commissioner's office has stepped up in a huge way and has taken care. I've read stories about people that have been evicted from their homes, jobs at this time. What do they do? Oh, I work down at the ballpark, but there's no game. So I've been furloughed and I got this tiny little check from the government that doesn't make up for anything because my billionaire boss decided he's not going to pay me. And now he's saying the reason he can't pay me is because baseball players are suggesting that they get paid what they were promised. Meanwhile, Owners can sit back because the most profitable thing they can do is play the fewest number of games possible. And there might have been a time. I've run the, the owners over the coals for many, many times, and they've been bad at a lot of things over there. But the, I don't, th this is weird. This is like a unique time. I don't know that there was, a, was another time in history where it was like, look, we, we, okay, but for the integrity of the game, we got to play a little more baseball. But these dudes, they just, they just need to want the money they're covered they're used to a certain amount of profit year over year over year when those numbers go down they get scared and they have the money they have i'm going to say this again this needs to be incredibly clear they have the money to pay their players over the next couple of years and that has been agreed to they have the assets to do this they're choosing not to The players have made the concessions, even prorating the salaries. It has been conceded to. They can pay their employees. That's ridiculous. And if, and if that's the case they're really going to make, then more than ever before, 
the call needs to be made for them to open the books. Again, th their entire argument is built on this faith that you trust them that the numbers are what they say they are, completely on faith, without showing you a single one, not one number. Bit of concrete data in baseball. <laughs> Come on, man. It's baseball. Show me the numbers. But they won't. Because there's only a handful of things that showing us the numbers can reveal. One, they're lying. They have more money than they say they are. And it's really about protecting their profits, not about whether or not they can afford to pay everybody. Two, they're not lying. They're absolutely right. They're cash strapped. Uh, they don't have the cash on hand to pay. In fact, their investments might be so tied up that they can't even free them up over the next couple of years to pay everybody, which is a gigantic bit of proof that the economics of baseball are a thousand times more screwed up than the economics of the NBA and the NFL, who have a bunch of rich people, billionaires and millionaires, who argue with each other over contracts as well, but somehow have managed to figure their way through this without screaming at each other and deciding they can't negotiate because one side has all the power and leverage and refuses to give an inch, offering the same thing over and over and over again, calling that a negotiation and saying, well, the players just aren't negotiating in good faith. Come on, bro. Incorrect. And, and yes, Annika, that is the irony of it. Is It's the, the owners trying to make the players look greedy. But they got to show us the money. Show me the money. You, you want me to buy this line about how the players asking to get paid is hurting the usher? That, that's a hell of an accusation. That is... That is a hell of an accusation. Oh no, we poor owners, now we can't afford to pay these people because the players are being so greedy. That needs some evidence. And again, if it turns out that they've just very poorly invested over the years and the economics of baseball are so screwed up and these guys really need every single ticket sold, otherwise what they'd have to sell their franchise or because they're not going to go under like like what is the or what for the owners right like what is this horrible downside thing it's not like again they, they can pay their employee like if they pay all of their employees like then what they're they're down for a year they'll make up for those profits in a couple of years like they're not going to lose their team and if they do then that's because they've run it poorly and when they sell their team, they're going to make an obscene amount of money. And then someone else is going to run it better. That's what happens anywhere else in American business. Almost. Actually, I, <laughs> I won't get into all that. But in theory. And so... Those are those are the options. Either either the owners are lying to you and they have the money or they don't have the money because they've made remarkably, remarkably poor choices with it 
And if that means that they end up having to take hundreds of millions, if not billions of dollars to sell their franchise, so be it. These guys are almost all big proprietors of free market capitalism. That's how it works. Annika, I don't know if there are any teams actually on the brink of bankruptcy. I would, I, I, I'd be inclined to doubt it, but again, if they are, like, imagine being handed a golden goose like a Major League Baseball team and being on the brink of bankruptcy. If, if they are, it's entirely because of poor management. So I, I suspect not. And, and that's what's so crazy to me about this argument is like, on the one hand, it's very difficult to believe they don't have the money on hand. The other hand of the hand, if they don't, it's a real bad look on them still, not on anybody else. And I saw somebody ask earlier, uh, I didn't see like, uh, who's uh, the, oh, France Rockies asking, you know, who are the leaders of the, of the greedy owners right now, like just by definition, and I don't know that it's, you know, him leading the ideology, but by definition, the leader of the owners is the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. And his resume right now does not look good. It is a very frustrating time to be a baseball fan and you could disagree with everything that I've said today and still have 10 other issues with the way this commissioner has governed the game in the last year or two. I think it's very important to treat people who have certain jobs with a floor level of respect, not necessarily because of who they are or what they say or what they do, but because their their jobs are representative of other people. I, I feel this way about elected officials, actually. Any of them, all of them. If you're a senator, I call you senator. If you're the president, I call you president. That's how it goes. Um, I call you sir, I call you ma'am. Because even if I don't believe that you have any right to be in that job, there is a large group of people out there who disagree with me because you're in the job. That goes for the commissioner of baseball. You get to that job because a number of other people with a great deal of knowledge and expertise and history of the game, and I want to respect that. And so that's why... I use certain words. And so that's why I want to say, Sir, Mr. Manfred, your stewardship of the game of baseball has left much to be desired. You came into this league and your first goal, I should, you came into this job and your first goal was to make games shorter to tell young people they have no attention span, to impose rule changes that nobody asked for, 
to focus on an element of the game that was fine in lieu of focusing on things that could have been fixed, including, but not limited to, the economics of the game of baseball that we've been talking about all day that are going to lead to not one, but two forms of work stoppage. One, two, three, four, ten cheating scandals. That time you referred to the World Series Championship as a piece of metal, sir. The juiced baseballs. We haven't forgotten. The unjuiced baseballs. It was obvious. The covering up of the investigation initially of the Houston Astros. Whatever the hell is going on right now with the New York Yankees. And there's a CBA coming up. I'm all for moving the game forward. I am not against change in baseball. I've come around on Universal DH, which surprised the hell out of me. I want the electronic strike zone. But I like steals and bunts and a sacrifice fly. Oh, I love a sacrifice fly. You give yourself up for your teammate. Hit the ball in the air. Get the run in. I like an RBI. Every once in a while. Don't tell Manny. Like a pitcher win. And the final point that I want to make to both the fans and to readdress Mr. Manfred. Mr. Commissioner, sir, is that I've seen a number of people, myself included, sadly needing to remind fans lately that MLB and baseball are not the same thing. And I have been an MLB fan my entire life. And I've been a baseball fan my entire life. And I understand those who are waning from Major League Baseball right now. And I hope that those people will be moved to look past both sidesness. I hope those people will be moved not to resign to throw up their hands and blame everybody when there are very specific people who should be blamed, and a nuance that ought to be understood. I hope they will. And I know some people won't. I know some people will lose all of the nuance and quit. What I would only say to those people, and, and what I would remind the commissioner, I wrote a thing recently that titled Baseball is Forever. It was not titled MLB is Forever. There have been other leagues 
there have been rival leagues. It's been about a hundred years, but baseball goes nowhere. There will always be little boys and little girls, sandlot fields, trying to learn how to throw a curveball, figuring out what it means to take a lead off of first base, finding their own perfect load position at their infield spot. There will always be baseball. And there will always be professional baseball of some kind. And, and I don't think MLB goes anywhere either, but people are leaving. And part of the reason may be because you're pushing them out. Not only in this. Oh, one of the things when I was counting on all of my fingers. How about the aggressive destruction of the minor leagues? Taking baseball away from 42 American communities. You know what they might replace them with? Independent baseball. I imagine a day in my future where I make the drive through the Rocky Mountains, down I-70, back to Grand Junction, Colorado. And I go to Sam Saplesio Field, right across from where I played football in high school. And I take in a professional baseball game. Not a minor league one. Not one associated with the Rockies. But a group of 20-somethings throwing the ball around, playing catch, hitting it into the gap, running the bases. And maybe that'll be enough for some people. The people you've literally pushed away. You've told them that their baseball doesn't matter. In fact, you've kind of told them, sir, that baseball doesn't matter. You told them that the World Series didn't really matter. And now, as few games as possible, as illegitimate a season as possible, as many profits as possible. People are leaving Major League Baseball. You can't take baseball out of our hearts. And I want to address this comment before I sign off here. And, and, and I want to do so in uh, what I hope is a non-combative way, Dave. I, I hope this can be a constructive conversation. Dave writes, I don't think the players get so many people have lost their jobs, and they're still worried about their millions. This has become worse than 94, and I'm sorry, but I'm at the end of the line. Thinking about this sport I once cherished. Who cares anymore about a season? I don't. And Dave, you're not alone. There are a lot of people that feel that way. But if I can, and, and I hope you're listening, and I, and I hope people who, who feel that way are listening. 
I submit that the players do understand the difficult times that we're in. Everyone that I've talked to does. That's the worst part of this for them. They hate it every day. They know there are people worse off than them who don't have the money, who just want to watch a baseball game. And it's an inescapable fact that the reason they can't is because the players won't give in to the owner's demands. But I, w- I would only ask you this, Dave, and, and, and anyone else feeling this. What is the floor? What is the line that the owners could not cross? Right? What if the owners said they weren't going to pay them at all for this season? Anybody, major league players, the minor league players, any of their employees, any of the concessions people, should everyone just show up and do it because that's their only option? What is, what is you know, is there some line? Because we may disagree where that line is, and I, and I think reasonable people will disagree where that line is. But the trouble I have with this is any attempt to put this on the players who, yes, most of them make millions, though not all of them who stand to lose a lot of money, by the way, and a lot fewer of them now that the player or the owners are going to get what they want here, that they're not worried about their millions. They're worried about reestablishing a precedent that the owners can do whatever they want, whenever they want. And that, I think, is a principle that most fans would agree with. Like, you, you wouldn't want your boss to just decide all of these things for you. Nobody would. And I get that they're not normal jobs. I get that they live privileged lives. Again, most of them. Some of these guys don't have as much money as as you might think. <laughs> um, so, I think the, the really important thing there, though, is to say that they do understand that. And I do think that that's ultimately why they're giving in and going to play. And that's, I think, what's, what's sort of frustrating to me is I, I think the players have recognized that the fans are going to hate us forever if we don't get out there and play, despite the fact that there's sort of this proverbial gun to her. I hate that analogy, but you get the point. Like, okay, fine, we'll do it because we're going to get blamed anyway. And that's such a crappy position for the players to be in, stuck between literal threats from the owners and this unending amount of guilt that they're going to get from some fans. And so they're going to go out there and play entirely under the circumstances that the owners wanted. And I mean, that's, it's just gross that they, and that they used, you know, regular employees, 
that they brought them into this conversation like they belong there in the slightest. Their salaries are chump change to these guys. I don't care if they're the poorest owners in professional sports. So, I think they do understand that, Dave, and I think that's why they're going to come back. And I think it's, it's sad because I think far too many people in the media fell for the temptation of appearing objective by appealing to both sides. By, and especially in the last couple of days, the number of articles I've seen about like, well, what's what's the player's end game here? Like, I don't, you know, I don't care how bad the owners have been. You can't just stop negotiating. Actually, that's their only option. Because now the owners have to do what they've been trying to act like was going to be a negotiation before, which is force their way. They're going to get whatever they want now because that's the door that's been left open. Look at the, the last two lines of each of the statements that have been made, right? MLBPA says, tell us when and where. MLB says, after consulting with ownership, we will determine the best course to bring baseball back to our fans. Okay, we'll decide for you. And they will. I would assume here in... The next couple of days and the next week, they will just decide and get everything that they want. Because, I'm going to stress this one last time before signing off. They used a unique economic crisis on top of everything else that it is. force leverage on their workforce. You can dress it up in all kinds of other language. The fact that they make more money doesn't mean that any person who works for anybody should have to give up their rights to negotiate fair working conditions during a global pandemic. Anyway, that's my time for today. I'll go ahead and sign this thing off because I guess I probably should turn it into a podcast. I'm going to have to put a bunch of draft stuff around it so there are fun things that we're talking about. We had a lot of fun conversations the last couple of days. I was planning on getting those out and about. So, Thank you for those of you who hung around. It's just there's been a lot of people talking about this stuff today, and, and I had to get this off my chest because, like I said, a lot of smart people that I really respect out there um, trying to walk a middle ground that, I, I frankly, if you look at the facts, does not exist. There is not a middle ground between the sheriff of Nottingham and the citizens in Robin Hood. There's just not. So... Thank you all for listening in this episode of the podcast. Make sure you're following on social media and doing all the stuff. Subscribe to the DNVR.com. 
Buy a cool shirt that's got a video game hockey guy on it. That's what I got going on today. Uh, just remain absolutely awesome. I'll remain absolutely Drew Creaseman. And until next time, I will see you at the ballpark.